What a week it's been. Last Sunday, we celebrated the Palm Sunday processional where everybody welcomes Christ as Savior. Hosanna, save us. That's what they shouted. And this weekend is even a greater celebration. But in between those two celebrations, there's hell to pay, literally. And Jesus pays it, literally. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And he is the one who took our death. It should have been us on that cross. But he took our death. Monday, Thursday, several hundred of us gathered for a Seder. Seder means order. It's a, it's, a, it's a celebration of the Passover. Passover was established in Exodus, as many of you well know. The Jewish people, there's a meal that has been reenacted for 30, no, yeah, 3,500 years now. And for 1,500 years after that original Passover meal, during which they took the blood of a lamb and applied it to the doorposts of their house. And for those who applied that blood, the angel of death passed over. That's where the name comes from. Passed over that house. And eventually that was the beginning then of freedom from bondage. And so 1,500 years after that, the lamb of God arrives. And he spills his blood. And for any of us that apply his blood to our lives, death is now passed over. And we are free from bondage to sin. The first part we grab onto. The second part we usually ignore. But I want to tell you that's what the resurrection is about. If it was all about going to heaven... The cross would have sufficed. There would have been no need for him to be resurrected. I want to read to you a passage just after the passage that we usually concentrate on every weekend, every, every Easter. Most churches gather together and they tell you about the, you know, the, the women going to the empty tomb and then they get the disciples and they go to the empty tomb and, and they say, go, okay, go tell everybody. But they don't say anything about the rest of the day. What happened the later that day was just as important because it happens every day of the resurrection. The resurrection is not a doctrine to be believed in. It's not an event to be celebrated. It is an invitation for the kind of life every one of us can have. Let me show you. I'll be reading from John, starting with in chapter 20, starting with verse 19. I make frequent stops when I read, so watch out. It says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, they take quite, uh, uh, quite careful stipulations to, for us to understand that when Christ entered a room, there wasn't an open door. The doors were shut. And so his body after the resurrection was not purely physical. Now he did have a physical body. We know that because in some of the incidents he ate with the disciples. Um, Thomas actually touched the wounds in his hands. So there was a physical, but it was more than physical. Your resurrection body will be more than physical. 
It will be spiritual. And this is what it says. The doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. (laughs) Now stop right there. Just in case you think the Bible may be anti-Semitic, which would be the supreme irony. Um, This was not about Jewish people per se. This was not about the ethnic or the race of the Jews. If that were true, they would have had to vacate the room because they were all Jewish. You know, you look around and the one they were waiting on, guess what? Jewish. You know, so this isn't about Jewish people. This is about the authorities. As a matter of fact, that's what the crucifixion was about. He threatened the authorities and power has a violent reaction when it is threatened. It says, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now this is a common greeting. This is a common greeting. If you go in the middle, to the Middle East these days, they, some people will say shalom. Some people say salam aleikum. Some people say peace be with you. It's a common greeting. But when it's delivered from a risen savior, it's not just a greeting. It is a transference. It is a gift. My peace I give unto you. Receive my peace. What is peace, by the way? You know, to the world, peace is just an absence of conflict temporarily. But the Greek, the, the, the Hebrew word shalom means a wholeness, a fulfillment to where you, you need very little else. Have you ever known anybody in your life that just kind of had it all together? I mean, seriously, had it all together? I knew a guy in high school. We're still friends. He was the most complete guy in high school I've ever known. He was, he had it all, you know, outwardly. I mean, he was handsome. He was a great athlete, drafted into the major leagues right out of high school. He was, he was, he dressed the coolest, you know, back in that day, pegged pants were in, you know, most of you don't know what pegged, very tight pants. They're coming back. Keep your stuff. It comes back. (laughs) And he had the tightest, I don't know how he got his feet through there. Most of us, I came from a poor family. My mom didn't know how to sew, so she just said, oh, you don't need, your your pants are fine. But man, the, the kids that had the pegged pants, handsome he was, handsome. He didn't date around a lot. He's happily married, been happily married for years, but didn't date around a lot just because he didn't have to do the woman thing. All the rest of us had, oh, I got five dates. How many, you you know? Didn't have to prove himself. And when he was in a room, it was always about you. Let me tell you what I like about you. You know, when you said this, I really learned something. You know, you're such a great encourager. You're This guy... He was, was he a Christian? Absolutely he was. But the main thing that I remember about this guy was that he had been so well loved, he didn't need to desperately seek it from others. He had a peace about him, a completeness, so that he didn't need a lot and he could give a lot. 
That's what Jesus confirms. I want you to understand how well loved you are. I want you to understand how much you have so that you don't desperately feel like you need everything else. Peace be with you, he said. And then it says this. And when he had said this, he showed them his, both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, let me ask you this question. Why? If he came back with another body, why wasn't it healed? Why did he still have the wounds? I mean, if you're coming back and you're in these two reasons. Number one, because people connect at weakness. People respect strength. People admire perfection. But people connect at weakness. When you see somebody wounded, your heart goes out. When you see a little vulnerable baby, oh, you're there. People, that's where people connect. Jesus wanted to show them love costs. Love costs. Love comes at a price. But there was a second reason. Somebody once said, if somebody walked into the room, let's just pretend this is you. Somebody walks in the room. Now I know as many people as we have in here and are watching online and, 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 and participating with us from all over the world, I know many of you are in debt. You're in debt for your house, you may owe on a car, you may owe for medical bills, um, you may owe for school. Uh, some of you see school coming, so your debt is in the future. And you're thinking, how am I gonna do this? And you're in debt now. Imagine with me. Somebody walks in the room and they've got a stack of receipts in their hand. A stack of receipts. And you look and you notice something as they're, as they're kind of going through them. You notice, first of all, that's my bank. That's my car place. That's my school. And then you notice something else. Every one of those receipts has your name on it. And then you notice the most important thing of all. Every one of those receipts has stamped on it, paid in full. Do you think you'd be glad to see him? You think you'd rejoice? When Jesus did this, that's what he was saying. All of your debts, past, present, and future, are paid in full. But as I said, he didn't stop there. The cross could have been the last time we saw him. And that would have been enough to get us into heaven. And that is the greatest gift we ever have, to live eternally. But it wasn't stopped there. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now what's happening here? Christ in this moment is creating another race capable of living another life than anyone has been able to live up to this point. Do you remember in that earlier scene when Mary comes out of the tomb, she's bewildered, she's crying so hard and she, poses, she supposes Jesus to be the gardener. And he says, Mary, and she recognizes who it is and she runs to him and hugs him. Mary was a hugger. Jesus was a hugger. I know this. And Jesus abruptly and seemingly rudely says, stop clinging to me. Stop clinging to me. Why would he say that? Because he knew what she was thinking. This is what she was thinking. Good, I got my Jesus back. Good, now things can be the way they always were. Now we can go back to just like it was. And Jesus interrupts that thought and he says to her, no, that life is over. Those times are gone and they're not coming back. So many of you wish you could go back to a certain time in your life Maybe you think I could live them differently. Maybe you think things were so much better then. And you kind of cling to that fantasy. And Jesus would interrupt you and say, stop clinging. That time is over. No matter how good it was, that time is gone. Because I have something better. I have something better. I have a new life. There is the first life and then there is the new life. Do you remember how God made mankind the first time? It was precisely this way with his breath. It says in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, then the Lord formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, I've told you before, in Hebrew, breath means spirit. The name is, the Hebrew word is ruach. So when he did this, when he breathed the breath, he was giving them a spirit, a spirit of life. Guess what? He's doing it again. He's doing it again. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there is a new life. And, 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 and Christ didn't even wait for Pentecost. This was the establishment of the new community. This was the establishment of a resurrected power that all of them were to have if they would but walk in it. And that's why I want to talk to you today because most of you are not walking in the resurrected power. You've never been trained to do that. You've never heard there's anything more to salvation than living after you die. 
But that's why he came back to give us that new life. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. New things have come. What are those new things? You can live a life that has absolute peace and joy, patience, self-control, You can live a life that will literally change the world. You know, this quibbling group of little huddled fearful mass in this room, you know what happened when they went in the room? They changed the whole world. They changed the whole world. So can you. But you got to live the resurrection life. Now I realize there's probably two two reasons why people don't take the full deal from God. By the way, you know a lot of times you gripe at God when you have the very power in your own life, His power, to live the life, the very life you want, more than the life you've ever dreamed. Ian McLaren once said, I love this, he said, if some big bank opened up their vaults And they came to you and said, go on in. Take anything you need. Plenty. Got plenty. Take anything you need. And you came out with a penny. Would you be mad at the banker? You know, pretty much that's what we do with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'll give you a resurrection, I'll give you the power of the resurrection every day you live. And we say, that's all right, I just want to go to heaven when I die. Why do we do that? I realize that a new life is sometimes intimidating. When I say to you, you can have a whole different life. The natural human thing is to kind of cling to the one you got. Because that's the one you're familiar with. And you don't know about this new deal. You don't know if you could handle that kind of power. Can I tell you another story? When I was in high school, I dated this girl. If you see Becky, she meant nothing to me. (laughs) But I was over to her house one time. and, uh, And her older sister was going with this guy who was kind of like the Marlon Brando of our age. You know, he was, a, he was just a good looking guy with a huge motorcycle, just a, a Harley, you know? And Harleys have always been cool. Harleys, for those of you who don't know, aren't those little, um, you know, motorcycles that sound like they got bees in a can, you know? They're, they're, they're they just rumble the earth. They, they're, and they're awesome. Well, he looked over at me. And I don't know whether he was trying to impress her sister or what, but he said, hey, you want to take my Harley out sometime? I, I, I was speechless. This would be the coolest thing. I would be the coolest kid my age in the entire, in the entire town, which was tiny, but it was still. He said, you do know how to ride a Harley, right? Well... I'm a man. 
You ask any man if he knows how to do something, the automatic answer is yes. We lie through our teeth, you know? Are we lost? Do you know where we are? Yes, I know where we are. Do you know how to ride a Harley? Sure. He said, okay. He said, meet me tomorrow. He said, I, I, you know, I'll just let you take the bike for a spin. I did not sleep that entire night. <laughs> not one wink. Do you know why? I didn't know how to ride a Harley. And I could picture myself getting on that much power and letting out that clutch and running right into a house. <laughs> Boom! And three bad things would have happened. First of all, it would have hurt his bike, which to scratch a Harley is almost a sacrilege when you're that age. Second, it would have hurt me, not quite so important. Thirdly, it would have embarrassed me in front of my girlfriend, who meant nothing to me. So I got up the next day and I went at the appointed time and he didn't show up and he didn't come the whole day and I was relieved. <laughs> and after that, when we saw each other, he didn't mention it and I didn't either <laughs> because I didn't know what to do with that kind of power. I understand. When people say, I don't know that I want the resurrected life. You've got to be trained in how to walk in that kind of power. By the way, I'm well aware that <clears throat> there are some of you who are not planning on coming back next week. <laughs> we have a little fuller crowd than usual. I get that. I get that. But let me tell you why you should. We train people to walk in the power of the resurrection. That's the life God has for you. That's the, that's the life God wants for you, not just for you, but for the effect you are to have on others. Because the next thing Christ does is give them a commission. He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you, and then he says, after breathe on me, uh, after receiving the Holy Spirit, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. What does that mean? That means that he makes them little judges? No. <laughs> he doesn't make us the judge of the world. Remember in John, unbelief is sin. That's the, that's the sin, unbelief. And so this is what he is saying. I'm sending you out into a world to live the kind of life where it's going to be really difficult for them not to believe. I'm sending you out into the world to live the kind of life that is so full of confidence and love and joy and trust and that can direct them to me who gives it that they will be changed. And if you don't do that, they will remain in their sin. But I send you out to change the world by the life you live. 
And so it comes down to this choice. The resurrection, as I said before, is not a doctrine to believe in. It's not an event to celebrate. It's an invitation to accept or reject. That's simple. I told you at the beginning of the year that I believe God wanted you to have the very best year you've ever lived in your entire life. But in order to do that, you'd have to live differently than you ever have lived in your entire life. Or you'll just keep having the same year over and over again. This is the ticket to the life you were meant to have, to the life you want to have, but you don't think you're worthy. You don't think you can. You can, you can, you can live in the shadow of the resurrection in the power of the flesh. Or you can live in the power of the resurrection by the walk of the spirit. It's up to you. Let me tell you one last story. I love this story. It's about this guy in a passion play. They chose the, the, this guy to play Jesus because he was so good looking, not because he was so holy. By the way, watch AD tonight. Starts at nine o'clock on NBC. Watch this series because it's about the birth of the church. It's from our friends, uh, uh, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. They've been here. Uh, they created the Bible series. It's wonderful. Watch it. The thing, the thing that reminded me of it is I've, I've watched a couple of clips. Everybody's good looking in it. You know, Jesus has white teeth. I'm going, really? You know, the Bible says he, he wasn't handsome, nothing to be looked at, but it's okay. It's Hollywood. You can't have an ugly Jesus and get a lot of viewers, I guess. I don't know. So anyhow, this guy's in the passion play. You know what a passion play is. It talks about the, the passion of the Christ, the, 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 the days of the cross. And, and he's going across the stage and, 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 and he's, he's sweating under the weight of the cross. And there's a heckler in the crowd, an actual heckler. And he's shouting out, you know, criticisms and horrible things. He's just heckling Jesus, you know? And, and, and he's starting to get really personal. He's saying not only bad stuff about God, but he's saying bad stuff about Jesus. So, and Jesus just drops the cross, goes out into the audience, decks the guy. <laughs> Guy's out cold. The director comes flying out from backstage, grabs Jesus, pulls him backstage, says to him, you can't do that. You're Jesus. <laughs> He says, I know, but you did. did you hear what that guy was saying? I don't care. You're Jesus. You've got to stay in character. <laughs> Next night, here he comes with the cross again. The heckler shows up again. Bandages across his nose. He shows up. He's going, he starts to heckle again. And you can just see this guy who's playing Jesus, just sweating, just, he's starting to get to him. Finally, he just stops in his tracks. He looks out at this guy and he says, I'll see you after the resurrection. <laughs> Two kinds of resurrections. One is, you don't change very much. You just get to go to heaven after you die. The other is, 
you're completely different. You have faith no matter what. You can go through the most difficult times of life and you trust more than you ever have. And you're more resistant to sin than you ever were because you have the life of God in your step and in your heart. It's up to you. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this offer. This offer that says that resurrection isn't an event of the past. It's an invitation every day. Help us not just to accept the great gift of salvation that Jesus Christ won for us on the cross that goes to anyone who says, Christ, I accept your payment for my sins, your gift of salvation. But help us also to take that next step and to be trained in it, to walk in the power of the resurrection every day so that this world will be different because we lived and heaven will be glad because Jesus came for us. We pray this, hoping that you will apply the words to our minds that we might not grow shallow and to our hearts that we might not grow cold and to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen.